Welcome to Medical Matters Weekly with Dr. Trey Dobson, presented by Southwestern Vermont Healthcare and Catamount Access Television. Today is July 6, 2022. I'm Trey Dobson, Chief Medical Officer at Southwestern Vermont Medical Center and an emergency medicine physician with Dartmouth Health. And this is Medical Matters Weekly, a show about the aspects of healthcare that matter to you most. My guest today is Sean McNiff. He is an artist art therapist, author, professor, advocate for the healing power of art, and many other things. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're great to be here, Trey. Thank you. Where are you? Where are you right now? I see a bookshelf behind you and a beautiful painting. Well, I'm, I'm in Gloucester, Massachusetts, in a little village called Anasquam on Ipswich Bay. Oh, great. Sean uh, is author of many books. One is Imagination in Action, Secrets for Unleashing Creative Expression. He established the first integrated arts therapy and education graduate training program, uh, is a painter and presented with Lifetime Achievement Award of the Journal of, from the Journal or of the Journal of Applied Arts and Health and the Honorary Life Member Award of the American Art Therapy Association and many other things. So we can post those on our website and you can look at his, at his bio. Is that your painting behind you over your left shoulder? Yes, that is, uh, yes, that is one of, of many, yes. That's great. Well, tell us just a little bit about your background and where you're from and how you got into this. Well, thank you for the very generous introduction, Trey. And what I want to underscore is what you said about my life work being advocacy uh, for the universal, transcultural, timeless <laughs> healing power of artistic expression. I mean, that's Thank you for saying that, uh, and that's that's what it's always been about for me. Starting as a young person, uh, re realizing what what art could do to me in terms of helping me, uh, as, as Nietzsche once said, "When all else fails, art emerges as a healing sorceress ex expert at uh, at doing things that just aren't possible through the linear logical mind, as wonderful as it is," and uh, and. And that's that's what I've always done. So you you started off when you were younger. Did you did you become an artist quickly, or what else, what led you in the path of artists? Being an artist, I'm, I'm one of many artists who um, who uh, you know so many of the artists that I admire. I mean, Picasso, of course, is one of the a great uh, 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 pers persons who doesn't fit into this uh, mold. But those people that went to law school did other kinds of things and then just continuously, you know, work their way into a, a vocation, a calling, as we say. Uh, the soul's cold, mm -hmm. as my friend James Hillman uh, used to say, the, the calling of art. And, um, and, and very uh, serendipitously, after dropping out of law school, uh, uh, breaking my father's uh, heart when I was working in, a, in the family law firm, I very serendipitously found myself in this work of doing art as therapy, uh, and uh, and one of the best things I think that I that I've uh, said uh, uh, as, I, as I work with people around the world in terms of how I was able to do what I do and the way I do it is that I was not uh, trained in in what I call the cycles psychodynamics psychological stereotypes uh, that are just so contrary to the healing processes of art. Art is not something that is, um, that, is uh, that we want to be analyzing 
in this linear reductive way and imposing these silly, often silly, psychological diagnostic, diagnostic narratives on it. And that's been my life work is to, is, to, is to generate a more imaginative way of not only making the art, but engaging it. So, you know, when I think about, Sean, um, for example, my colleagues, myself in, in, in medicine as, as physicians, you know, it's a little bit of a misnomer that we went into the field to uh, be curative because we know so many things are not really uh, subject to full cures, but we did go into the field to limit suffering and improve the lives of others. And it seems like that's the aim of art therapy as well. How does art accomplish some of those uh, properties to limit suffering and improve well-being? Well, that's Trey. That's what it's always done through throughout time in terms of engaging suffering, mm -hmm. engaging pain, and using it as fuel, uh, as the as the energy uh, of artistic expression. Doing something life affirming and positive with our deepest afflictions. Mm -hmm. That's what art has done from throughout history. Tragedy is one of the great examples of it. It's interesting what you said about healing and curing because I was very involved with the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute for many years, which is a whole other story. But Dr. Nathan, the very distinguished um, director at Dana-Farber at the time, I think it was around 2000, said to me, you know what, Sean, we physicians are, are always, our work is about curing, but we can't always cure. And I can tell you, he said, based on what I see here at Dana-Farber is that art heals. And I wrote a book in 2004 with that title and credited, credited to him. How art heals is, is, is it, it's an energizing force. And it always has been in terms of this creative energy that can, that can, um, that can renew our lives. And as I say, take those afflictions and, and do something positive with them. That's what healing is, taking the difficulty and transforming it. And, and art does that in the most empirical way, mm. totally empirical. I have a lot of trouble with today's social science research, which is another one of the strange, uh, the strange psychological dynamics going on in the world today. But art is a very palpable, tangible, uh, a healing power. In the, it, and it works with absolute consistency now and throughout history when in indigenous societies where art, what, uh, illness was defined as soul loss, and, and, and the indigenous healer would, would engage the community, the whole community in, a, in, a, in an enactment in, in artistic creative processes that, that, that work to restore soul in the community and in the person. And we need that more than ever uh, today. You know, um, that makes me think, Sean, as I, as I try to figure out a little bit about how which is not really as important. It's the what that comes out of it as, as you are implying. But I think of when people get very ill, you know, um, they lose one of the driving mechanisms to life, which is purpose. You know, you need purpose, you need people, you need passion in your life. And if you lose that purpose, sometimes that really inhibits the healing process. And I can see how art would bring purpose back to, to people's lives. Have you seen that? Oh, absolutely. And, and the, and the uh, once again, the, cre the, the healing force in relation to art is creative energy. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do, what my work is all about, is, is, is trying to persuade people usually 
and and to convince them that they can do it. The 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 if if we say if if art healing is so consistently uh, and empirically effective throughout history, why is it that we don't do it? Right. Why is it not a fundamental force in public health, uh, universally accessible to every, every to people everywhere? And it's because of all the resistances that we have, all the mm -hmm. fears that we have about our exposing our vulnerability, all the sort of ingrained social stereotypes about talent and who can make art and who can't make art. I keep telling people who are who are afraid is that just start with painting, for example, or dance and movement. Just move, start to move. And then, as John Cage said to me once, keep moving. <laughs> Don't stop, repeat, <laughs> sustain it. People start beautifully making these beautiful gestures, but then they start thinking too much. Thinking's a wonderful tool, but we need to put it in our back pocket and let it follow rather than always taking the lead. So what I'm always trying to say to people is that artistic expression is as is essential and as natural as breathing. It's so that me, accessible. It is a force of nature. It is, it is, it's a force of nature. Everyone can do it. It's all these attitudes, these head trips that we do to ourselves to, uh, to limit, uh, it, it, you know, uh, involvement and the notions of quality. I find that the most, the best work is the most spontaneous, natural, unplanned work. And that's the most inspiring, uh, it's a, yeah. which leads back to that purpose. So, Sean, take us through, you know, through your day and through an encounter. How do you, first off, how do you get connected with, with uh, a patient? Well, first of, first of all, I don't, if this, if, first of all, number one, um, I feel that um, art healing is always a complement to mm -hmm. what the, the, the fundamentally necessary and important work that you do. <laughs> it is in no way, it is in no, it, it's, as we say, complementary, as right. you said so well. It is, um, it's part of the gestalt, it's part of the ecosystem of, 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 of the life uh, a force that you talked about, about the commitment to living. It's, it's, it, it certainly doesn't in no way claim to, uh, uh, replace traditional medical practice. So I do not view myself as a medical person. I view myself as an as an art person, and I'm trying to you know mobilize the arts and therapy field worldwide, where I have the opportunity to work with people you know globally, to keep the art base. Don't overly clinify the work. So what I do is I'm always working in a studio. I'm always working in groups. I prefer to work in community. I've never ever worked with quote individual patients. I started my work in a, a setting up an art studio in, a, in one of the big New England state hospitals here where the patients in that studio taught me how art heals. And, I, and, and when people say, uh, uh, has, has your work changed in terms of what hap what's happened over the years? And I say, not really. I'm still going back to those foundations, those first experiences with native indigenous people here in Essex County, Massachusetts, indigenous to this place, not, not talking about Native American people, and, and their artistic expression, which, uh, which just uh, taught me everything I do. And working in community, affirming each other. Communities can do a lot of damage, as we know today. 
-hmm. Groups can do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. So what I've always done in my work is uh, work in what I call the therapeutic community of art. Maxwell Jones, the great British psychiatrist, the founder of the therapeutic community movement was close to me. And I've always looked at my work as creating therapeutic communities of artistic expression. And that's what I do. So I, do, do I started at 26. I founded a graduate program when I was 26, 27 years old. So I've always wow. been involved in leading communities. And, and so I've never, done, uh, uh, I've never done a traditional clinical practice. But I've had the so opportunity people... through that platform to engage people throughout the world and community. And there are just so many right. thousands of arts therapists now throughout the world that go out and work in every conceivable situation. Sure. So are these are these individuals, they typically referred to you? Um, do they hear about you? Or, no. uh, you know, how do they find out that about art? First off, how do they even find out about the concept of art as being uh, a, heal, a, a collaborative portion, or you said a complementary well, portion uh, to their treatment? Well, in my, in, in my work, uh, you know, I've written a lot of books. <laughs> uh, art is medicine, art heals, and the books have had great lives. They've been translated into many uh, languages. As, as you mentioned some of them. I wrote a book, The Arts and Psychotherapy, in, right. in 1991, the first one. And so... People come, they, they know my work, they come and, and, um, and I've been fortunate. What would you I'm say fortunate. to, what would I you say? I just got through, we were talking about this medium of uh, the, the Zoom era, as frustrating right. as it is for me not to be traveling like I used to, used to, I just did a session with the Hong Kong community. I did another one just before that with, news, with, with uh, Australia. So these, these, are, these are principles that are not unique to me that I'm talking right. about. Art healing is, there is, when I started in 1970 as a law school dropout at Danvers State Hospital, serendipitously finding myself in art and therapy, I was one of the only people in New England doing it. There was Helga Handel at McLean Hospital in Belmont, uh, who became a close colleague. And, and I think there are a couple of people at Worcester State Hospital, but there, there wasn't much happening in terms of institutional practice. Now, now, now the work is ubiquitous. That's good, but there are shadows. There are mm. shadows to overclinification, losing the art community base, which complements medicine. Complements. Yes, and I can see exactly where you're going with that. I can I can understand that. Um, so tell me, tell me, how would you advise someone in the audience here? We have a pretty good audience, uh, size-wise, uh, incorporating a lot of New England. If they are maybe going through some trauma themselves or some medical situations, uh, how should they go about looking? Uh, towards art as a as a healing complement well well in in my in my book art heals i um I'm, I'm very clear is the fundamental premise in that book or i try to be clear i don't want to comp gratuitously compliment myself <laughs> i try to be clear that art heals everywhere art heals everywhere it heals in therapy and it heals outside it is not, I tell my arts and therapy uh, colleagues, uh, we need to be, you need to be much more community activists, advocates for art healing in the most comprehensive ways, in addition to your clinical practices. You need to supervise, mm -hmm. you need to encourage community programs, which, which they're, they're, they're everywhere now. They're in Vermont, they're, 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 they're everywhere. And, um, and I think that people interested, I mean, if they 
want to get into a literal art therapy a relationship of the various states have their professional associations and there's a New England art therapy uh, association. But I, I really encourage um, I really encourage people to engage in community. I, I, I dream of an AA <laughs> of, of uh, artistic community. I dream of yeah, self-help. Oh, Billy Wilson, he nailed it. Because we're not dealing with literal medical practice. We're dealing with a psycho-spiritual, soulful, regenerative, regenerative uh, transformative process. As Socrates said to Charmides, the problem is you're dealing with the body before the soul. <laughs> You've got to mm. deal with the whole thing. You've got to deal with the whole complex. Sure. What are some of the barriers you've seen uh, through your life's work here uh, in, in getting folks uh, to go through the healing process with art? Well, the, the, um, the fundamental barrier is that I don't want to repeat too much what I just said is the reluctance to participate, mm -hmm. resistance, mm -hmm. that I can't do this, I'm not an artist. Uh, uh, the art, art is for artists. And um, so, so, so I find in my work, uh, the, um, the, the, when engaging people everywhere, from uh, the professional artists that come to my studios, they, want, I, they need to often get out of their habitual things. And, and then mm -hmm. there are the people who don't see themselves at art, as artists. So what I'm trying to do with people everywhere is to in, encourage what I call the movement basis of expression. If you can simply start breathing my doctoral students have done one wonderful dissertations about this. If you can do, if you could just simply start moving, as John Cage said, and then keep moving, it will come. It will appear. It will come with quality and naturalness if you can move in your own unique way. And that's a, that's a significant challenge, Trey, because mm -hmm. people resist, 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 and resist. Uh, uh, one of my uh, graduate students said, you know, Sean, but resistance is the gateway. And I agree because all that built up energy of the, of, of the resistance can explode into, uh, into uh, affirmative expressions. And people constantly say, I can't believe I did that. So we're talking about the this. They say I needed this safe. Right. Oh, that, that drives me crazy the way the word safe space has been appropriated because we are talking, not, we're not talking about that because we want conflict. We want the energy of our difficulties and, and everything else, but we need a place that's safe that allows us to engage it without judgment. That's what people need everywhere. And, and, and many of my uh, graduate students have done their theses on what they call the finger pointing judge. The worst judgments often come from within ourselves. That we've internalized. So those are the that's the main obstacle everywhere. Not skill, not talent. Because if I go look at the film, it's all the folks that are listening uh, that the London Art Therapy Center did when I was with them a few years ago. It's only it's a Google London Art Therapy Center. It's set, set, I think it's nine seven or nine minutes long, and it just shows 120 people making this incredible art by just taking black markers or contact crayons and moving with it. But the key is they have to keep moving. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. So you're talking about barriers uh, and resistance among the individuals themselves. I'm, I'm sure sometimes it comes from outside of them, uh, maybe within their groups, uh, 
whether it's their care providers or uh, their family or friends. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen that and you can get around that just by working with the individual. I, I find that people uh, with, a, with a great degree of universality want to support one another. And I find whenever I'm in a, in a community, and I'm in these communities all the time, the, the people come with the desire to support and affirm. It's, it's the individual person's own innate resistance, fear, fear mm -hmm. of exposing yourself, fear. You know, once again, I have to talk about the art diagnostic movement because it's, it's, it's a bad history. It's, it's a history where, as I say, whatever you paint can and will be used against you. You know, black, I mean, these, these ludicrous, simple-minded reductions, black is depression, black, brown has something to do with other things, you know, red is anger. I mean, it's, it's madness and it's still alive and well. The, 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 you know, psychology, as much as I've dedicated my life to it, there's that element of psychology that's hardwired to reduce and explain. And, and, in, and in this day of power and privilege that everyone's repeating all the time, how, how about, how about the, the authoritarian ways in which these images are interpreted by people in mental health? So, so that's another resistance. Fear right. of showing yourself, fear of not being good enough. I mean, these things run deep. One of the things I talk about is that the principles of art healing, as I've discovered from my research and my experience worldwide in my studies of history, because you know, know I studied history at first as the first discipline. These, these, the way in which art heals that I've described is universal now and throughout history. It's, there's a commonality. Hans Prinzhorn, the wonderful German psychiatrist that wrote The Artistry of the Mentally Ill in 1922, uh, uh, talked about the universal urge for human expression. These are universal drives we know. We know through human prehistory, history, and so, so on and so forth. These things are ingrained in the human community. I've discovered in my experiences that resistances to expressions are similarly universal and ingrained. The fear of expression universally ingrained. That's the challenge. Right. Tell so, us. A, so, a, so, how do you deal with it? Play, relaxation, uh, accessibility, universal access. I'm working with a group in v Vienna, working with art and dementia care, and, and there's a lot of play, there's a lot of engagement. I mean, relaxing people mm -hmm. into, into, into just what, as John Lennon says, it's what happens while you're making plans, you know? Right. Exactly. So tell us a good story, Sean. Tell us about a, a patient or two uh, that you've worked with and the outcome. Oh, well, there are uh, just so many. I mean, the, 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 the formative story uh, is one of the, the first people that I worked with in terms of, uh, uh, you know, people, you know, people that living in a, that, that really you know, my, my Irish Catholic grandmother talking about stories who actually, who actually uh, uh, worked as a volunteer, maybe that's the best story, in, in, in the state hospital where I first worked for, for 20 years mm. since I was a, a, an infant and used to have a big garden party every summer in a garden 
with busloads of, of, of patients coming from the state hospital. So that was my first exposure to the state hospital. And believe me, I wouldn't have gotten that job unless I, uh, if, if it wasn't for my grandmother. The, the director of personnel who hired me as a law school dropout said, well, if you're Margaret Tyndall's grandson, there must be something good about you. <laughs> so she was that first exposure. And what happened in those early days of the state hospital, you have these people that hadn't spoken for years, you know, starting to, you know, through encouragement, through my constant encouragement. Sometimes I, I talk about the overuse of the word intervention. But I remember one fellow, Anthony, kept making the same st stick figure over and over and over again. He hadn't talked. He's 36 years old since he was 15 years old and was admitted to the hospital. And I, and I did hold his hand and I said, Anthony, you have to stop doing this. And then, of course, his art has been exhibit, was exhibited widely throughout New England. And in and, and the oh. graduate program at Leslie uh, University that I founded came out of those original artists who did this wondrous work that the Massachusetts Council of Arts and Humanities uh, supported. And when it was at Harvard, the Dean of the Graduate School at Leslie saw it and said, boy, we have to do this at Leslie. That's great. So what advice would you give to the doctors and nurses that listen to this show who may not be familiar with art as healing? Well, make it accessible. Find your ways. Look at, look, you've got to look at the literature. I can't do it too, too simplistically here. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the, the, the things that I've pushed within the Art Therapy Guild, there's a, there's a reluctance to let special education teachers in, volunteers, nurses, other quote, non-certified. I mean, as much as professional disciplines advance a profession, they also limit access. Yes, yes. I'm profoundly against the limitations that my brothers and sisters and their, whatever, they, all of the others in the arts and therapy community do to limit access. So I, I've always found that nurses are that first for, in the medical community, nurses, volunteers, care, other caretakers. Mm -hmm. the broadest possible participation and just forget about yourself have your confidence in what the art can do and watch out for the coloring books and all that other stuff and just get people moving and, and expressing themselves naturally Sean, thank you so much for joining us on the show. This is very, I will say, without too much of a pun here, your enthusiasm is infectious and we appreciate it. And I can see how that leads to purpose and hope for others who are going through the healing process. So thank you. Thank you, Trey. Art heals. Art heals. I'll also thank Mike Cutler from Cat TV, Ray Smith from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare, Ashley Jallett from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare. I'm Trey Dobson. Go out and find joy in everything you do, even in the face of adversity, and we will see you next week.